0: Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring this show to you commercial-free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com, and milu.com. Photographer's edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer and milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode, and a return guest—one of the few return guests that we've had on the podcast. Emma O'Brien is here with us. Thanks for hanging out with me again today, Emma.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to be here and to be uh, to be on the podcast again.
0: Well, and we actually, for those of you who have not heard Emma previously, if you go to episode 172, we talked about how to capture the personality of pets. Um, this is a specialty of yours, in fact. If you go, for those of you listening in, if you go to Emma O'Brien, dot com, Emma O'Brien.com, um, you can see Emma's beautiful work. And, and scrolling down the page a little bit, Emma, I see what seems to be what we would reference a, a brand position, portraiture for people whose dogs are family. And I, I really yeah. love that position statement. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that.
1: So um, I have been doing an awful lot of of reading and researching of how I can kind of, like you say, up my brand position with my business. And actually, that was an idea um, from Seth Godin's book, This is Marketing. And he talks a lot about, I mean, you know, we in business, we talk a lot about defining ideal clients. But that's one thing he talks about, and then structuring your message to speak exactly to the people who you want to buy from you.
0: Interesting. And that, the name of that book one more time?
1: It's uh, This Is Marketing by Seth Godin.
0: This Is Marketing. You know what? That may be one of those books that I, I purchased a while back and I haven't read yet, but I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs>
1: check it out if it's on
0: your bookshelf <laughs> absolutely well and we'll put that in the show notes for everybody at bokeh Emma, i'd love to see that position statement at the very top of your your homepage too where it says award-winning portrait photography if you put it right there i mean it immediately kind of categorizes your brand and ultimately states your brand position very clearly and it seems like it would do a really great job of filtering for your ideal client
1: awesome i will uh, i'll take that on board, and I can switch things around. thank you very much
0: yeah it 's just an idea and this is something we talk about a lot at the podcast, yes. um, especially when it comes to brand position is you know we have potential clients with limited attention spans there we live in an Instagram society and when I say that I mean i 'm thinking about you know people including myself for that matter who are just very quickly scrolling through Instagram our attention spans are mm-hmm. somewhat limited, if you will, at least in that context, and we have just limited time frame in which we have the ability to capture the attention of that potential client. And I mean, your site is so clean and easy to navigate. And if they land there, immediately see this beautiful portrait uh, of a family with dogs. And then that statement, they're like, Oh my word, sign me up. I know that I'm that person. Like I want to work with Emma. And I think it would be a, a really brilliant uh, example uh, or excuse me, not an example, but a, a position statement. And it's a great example for our listeners. So shout out to you for for doing a great job with that that statement.
1: Thank you very much. I'll be having a look at how I can improve on that.
0: Oh, oh it's, I mean, it's, it's really beautifully done. But I want to jump to our our questions for today. And we did have you on the podcast previously. For those of you listening in, again, if you go to episode 172, if you didn't get to hear that episode yet, you can get to know Emma a little bit better. There, but um, let's start off today with a question I've been asking guests this season or this year on the podcast, which has to do with customer experience. And I'm sure your perspective is quite interesting because you're not just working with human beings, you're also working with with dogs, with pets. Um, But what would you say is one of the most important principles behind providing a wonderful customer experience for your clients?
1: So, uh, taking the time to really understand what a client wants from a shoot, delivering that with bells on. Um, and making sure my clients are the absolute center of attention during a shoot. So that applies to the humans as well as the dogs they come in. Because I think as pet owners, we're always very happy when somebody else takes a real interest in our animals and is very patient uh, very patient with them. Um, and I think the thing has just been very fully present. I have the one thing I've been doing since we last spoke is I've kind of just been trying to slow down a little bit and allow more time for for my shoots, so Mm. I'm not quite so back-to-back in my schedule. And I think, for me, that allows me to not be having to rush people in and out of the studio. So I've really got time to kind of talk to people and be present with them. And I think that's one thing I've noticed is people feel so valued and, um, you know, kind of listened to and taken care of. And you just have clients that just absolutely are, are thrilled to work with you and, and just have a really great experience. So I kind of that was longer than 15 seconds. No. <laughs>
0: Not, not no, no, the instruction. Yeah, well, you're totally fine. Yeah, and just to kind of break the fourth wall, for those of you listening in, this is one of the questions on the outline that I send to our guest that has in front of it a 15-second answer. Give me the quick quick version. Uh, but the information <laughs> you gave us is pretty important. And I want to go back to a couple of points you made. You are talking about, first of all, knowing what the client wants going into the session. And this may seem obvious to some of you listening, and you're like, well, of course. Uh, but I think maybe some photographers have a tendency of just going to the session saying, this is what I this is my style. This is what I do. And this is what I'm yeah. going to bring. And, and I get that piece of it. Mm-hmm. And that's important to a point in order to create maybe a, a bit more of a unique or distinct experience. But at the end of the day, we are going to book more clients if we make them feel good. And ultimately they walk away happy. And one of the most effective ways to do that is to just simply ask them what it is that they are looking for and then deliver on that. You're, one of the other points you made, deliver on that spectacularly. Yeah. And again, this may seem mm-hmm. obvious, but I think it's actually really important for us to be reminded of the significance of knowing exactly what the client wants, taking the time to ask them that, and then just simply delivering on that really effectively. I mean, have you seen yep. a, a particular transition in, in the way that your clients behave as a result of changing the way that you approach those sessions?
1: Yes, I think people, I'm getting a lot more, if it, I'm just trying to, trying to put it into words, I think I have clients who respect me a lot more and 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 really value what I do much more Um, I think because it's a reciprocal thing because they feel they feel very valued so one of the things I've I've been doing is making the time when I phone clients and speak to them before a shoot to ask them about their dogs because that is the easiest way to get people engaged tell me about your dogs how old are they what makes them special Um, And, you know, why are you doing this shoot? And what are you hoping to get out of it? And often it's people have got dogs are approaching middle age, and Mm. they want to get beautiful pictures of them, um, and beautiful memories of them. And also, for me, it's helpful to ask people, what do you want to do with your pictures, if you can get a bit of an idea before the shoot, because you can also shoot with that in mind as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good. And that, that's a really great way to start the conversation. Let's move on to something really, I guess, quite a bit different as far as the style of question is concerned and talk about outsourcing and delegation. We, we talked previously mm-hmm. in, in your episode about time management and you gave your take on that. But I'm curious to, to get your take on this notion of delegation and outsourcing. And I know that not every photographer implements this in their business. Is this something that you've experimented with? And if so, have you found any benefit from it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I outsource the majority of my editing. I've got someone local here who I, who I send it off to. So I'll do a primary sort through the images and I'll pick the, ones that, the pick the ones that I want editing. I have tried having my editor cull the images for me, but she didn't pick the ones I would have picked. So I kind of took back a bit of control with that. Sure. But I outsource editing because I just think it's such a time-consuming task and my time is better spent elsewhere. Right. And the the other thing I outsource is is my newsletter um, preparation and a bit of um, a bit of that marketing. So I'll prep the content, and I will send her everything through. She puts it together and schedules it and sends it out.
0: So with the editing, the outsourcing or the delegation of, of editing to a local individual, I mean, this is a really important conversation, I think, for anybody listening. First of all, naturally, I think that any and everyone should be delegating their editing work, um, at least in you know, yeah. 90% of cases, because as you pointed out, Emma, the, the time saving is just mind blowing, especially for wedding photographers, but yeah. certainly busy portrait photographers as well. Yeah. And so, but yeah. of course, one of the biggest challenges, and this is something we've seen uh, me being an owner at Photographer's Edit now for about 12 years, is the the challenge mm-hmm. in communicating preferences. Because a lot of times photographers will come to us and they're excited about the idea of outsourcing, but they don't realize the importance of communicating in great deep, actually, even before that, they don't realize the significance of being clear about what it is that they want, number one. And yeah. then secondly, how to effectively communicate that to somebody else. And when, it doesn't, when it's not done right the first time, they just give up and walk away rather yeah. than investing in the effort at those two very significant components. So I'm curious what you've yeah. learned through this process about those components.
1: So yeah, so I found it. It was a bit of a, a bit of a, a relinquishing of control, which I found very difficult to start with outsourcing the editing. Okay, and I sent some pictures. I sent a few pictures, and and my editing lady kind of edited them, sent them back, and we actually toed and froed until we got it right. And I found what helped enormously was for me to do a quick Lightroom edit of say five images and send those ones through to her so she could see on her end what settings I was changing, how I was, how I want my images to look. And she had a, a real kind of base point there of, of kind of what I'm after so she could replicate it. Yeah. And I think that's it. It's about communicating. And it is a bit of a process. It took a while for us both to get in the flow. And now, you know, I went and sat with her a while ago um, and she's got her own Emma O'Brien set of actions in Lightroom for me because she knows exactly what it is I need.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, that's great. And and I'm glad that you... First of all, we're willing to, to make the effort, take the time to go through that process. And you know it, it's an interesting thing because this is an applicable principle or set of principles regardless of what's being delegated. I mean, you even think about yeah. like, I, I don't know if you ever worked retail, but I've worked retail for a number of years. And- and I think about the companies that hired me, they didn't just say, okay, Nate, you're hired and now go to work. There was a training Mm -hmm. process. And then there was potentially ongoing feedback and possibly even more training down the road. That's the reality of hiring somebody and delegating to them. So we have to understand it's, I mean, yeah, in an ideal world, we could read everyone's minds, but that's just not the world that we live in. Um, There is communication necessary some patience necessary understand it's a process going into it Uh, we have a very similar process actually at photographers edit where where we ask photographers to share examples before and after examples straight out of the camera and then those same images processed of up to 16 different images so that we have a visual representation of what they want because you know sometimes photographers will say i I like a warm white balance for example and that means 100 Mm -hmm. different things to 100 different photographers right yeah, um, so that absolutely. visual reference makes a big, big difference. I am really I appreciate your perspective on that. That's really, really helpful. And again, this is not specific for those of you listening in. It's not specific to editing. This is a principle or set of principles applicable regardless when it comes to delegation. You have to understand that communication is absolutely vital. You need to be clear about what it is that you want and then learn how mm-hmm. to communicate that in a way that the other person understands. It's so, so yeah. important. Let's yeah. talk about inspiration though. Inspiration outside of photography because um, as I've mentioned in recent podcast episodes, it's it's easy to, to find that so-called inspiration just scrolling through Instagram, for example, photographer's accounts. Mm-hmm. Where do you find inspiration outside of the industry?
1: So when... Um when I was allowed to travel
0: <laughs> right
1: when we're all allowed to to travel elsewhere I am um, I love going to art galleries so it's something I find being able to go into an art gallery and have a look at other people's creative work and see um, I think art art especially because it's so some of it's so off the wall and you look and, and for me I look at it and you think okay so this was an idea somebody had in their head and they've put it onto canvas exactly as they wanted to yeah, without a care in the world of what anybody else thought. And here it is hanging in an art gallery. So I think for me, it's the, it's the inspiration that kind of anything's possible hmm. and it's just great to go and kind of be saturated in, in other people's creative ideas of, you know, colors and composition and just the sheer craziness of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because, you know, I'm especially I sort of, I guess I'm referring more to your modern art. So yes. I was in Los Angeles recently and I went to the Broad, yeah. uh, managed to get in there the day before it closed. Wow. <laughs> and if I'm in London, I'll, I'll take myself off to the Tate Modern because they usually have some sort of exhibition on. Um, and it's just great to just go and be in that space and, and just sort of absorb other people's creativity, if you like.
0: Yeah, it, but it can really be out there. You're right. I mean, I was in San Francisco with my son, and we went to uh, it, it, the, the name of the museum slips on my mind right the second, but it certainly had a, a massive collection of modern art, and, or relatively modern art anyway. And and some of the stuff that we saw in there was just I, I'm I, I kind of laugh and get confused all simultaneously, and and yet keeping an open mind to something that is outside the the tiny little box of wedding and portrait photography that we live in so much of the time. I, yeah. I think you're right. It's a really great exercise and might even spur and encourage ideas. So that's that's a really good reminder yes. as well. Let's talk about let's go from inspiration then to education. What about an impactful business or self-help book that you've read or listened to in the last few years?
1: Okay, so I am the self the self-development, we'll call it, book queen. Oh um, man, so- I'm right there with you. I have a bookshelf full of books, and I'm actually, because we're all on lockdown, taking the time to read some of them now. So, the one that springs to mind for me is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I will confess, I haven't read all the way through it. Okay. But what I've liked about that book is the fact that she encourages you to just nourish and take time to spend with your creativity and to allow those kind of out there ideas out and a bit of time to play. And the importance, which is something, again, over the past couple of years I've really realised – of taking the time to run with some of the creative ideas you have and just give them the space to, to perhaps come into being and to explore them.
0: Yeah, there, there is. Um, and I'm actually, I, I pulled the book up just a second ago here on, on uh, Amazon, and we'll make sure to link to that book in the show notes. What would you say is one of the biggest takeaways? I mean, is there something that you think thus far, and I know you haven't completely finished it yet, that you're going to go and, and take and do with that information that you were just talking about?
1: So I think the one thing that stands out in that book is that she encourages you to go on an artist's date every week and just to block out some time to, to go somewhere and journal or, you know, you know, if you don't want to look at art online or just, and just allow your creativity some time to, to kind of come out and explore or whether you like painting or whatever it is. Yeah. But just giving it, blocking out some time where there's nothing else going on that you can just create or think or, you know, brainstorm. And I think that's, you know, we're going to talk more about creative side projects. So it leads in quite nicely, but it is so important.
0: Yeah. One of the experiences that I had in this regard some time ago was I have this uh, medium format film medium format camera. It's a Yashica six by six. It's probably 60, 70 Mm -hmm. years old, maybe at this point, but just a a stunning camera as far as the images it's able to, to capture. And taking it, and, and of course, everything is completely manual on it. So, putting it on a tripod and taking it out, um, there, there's this kind of creek yeah. going up the side of a mountain a little ways from where I live, and going out and just setting that up and taking some scenic shots, which had little to do with any of the professional work that I did as a wedding photographer, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was a different yes. expression of, of the art form. It was one of those things where I could take a deep breath and take my time with it and enjoy the process. Yeah, and it was it was encouraging and invigorating and inspiring. It was a really cool experience. So this is a great recommendation and reminder for all of us that we do need to take the time out to do things like that. Especially as you mentioned, I mean, for anybody that's listening into this episode and you know the next let's say three, six months, year, even longer, we are under a sort of lockdown really worldwide at this point, (laughs) thanks to coronavirus. Mm And we have some extra time to explore some of these side projects or personal projects, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, definitely take advantage of the opportunity to do just that. In fact, I was thinking, as, as you and I were chatting earlier, Emma, that even, even now, like while I'm here in, in the apartment, um, and I actually just moved into a new apartment, and I've got the our couches in our living room are set up right next to... Some really nice window light, and I think I'm going to start to mm-hmm. to do some portraits of my kids, some black and white portraits of my kids, even just yep. with my phone. I think it would be a really fun project.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and the new puppy when it arrives.
0: Absolutely, yes. I, I was I was telling Emma before we started recording that we are going to be getting a, a Rhodesian Ridgeback, uh, which is a a breed really I guess kind of technically from South Africa originally, um, Zimbabwe more specifically. <laughs> and really interesting yep. history to it. But it's just a stunning, stunning breed and been looking at, at various breeds, yeah. two or three in particular for a while that kind of try to find the ideal one for our family. And um, so this particular dog, his name, we've, we've named him Griffin. My, my kids and I had this naming session or a series of sessions and his name is Griffin. <laughs> He's going to be coming to live with us here about the beginning of May. So I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Oh amazing. I can't I'll be looking on your looking out on Instagram for pictures of Griffin. I'm very excited.
0: Oh, I'm I'm already so the the breeder's been sending us has sent us a few pictures and I'm I'm just so stoked. So yeah, we'll definitely be sharing those. But you know, we were talking about personal projects. Let's actually jump into that topic, kind of our primary topic for today. Let's just start by maybe you can share some of the personal projects that you're currently working on as a photographer
1: so i 've got a couple on the go at the moment, and i 'm going to talk about one when we're when we 're kind of chatting a bit more one that i 've sort of completed but i 'm kind of finishing off now okay um so the first one um, it 's been a bit scuppered because we 're all on lockdown, so i can 't shoot anybody um, and i recently I recently became vegan, so I had the idea to start shooting portraits of other vegans here in South Africa just to People think vegans are weird quite often, <laughs> so I thought it would be it would be interesting to to shoot a series of portraits of the kind of how vegans look yes. as a as a kind of community. So yes. people can either go, yeah, I see they are actually really weird, or oh no, they're not. Um, so I thought that would be fun, um, and I had loads of stuff scheduled to start shooting, and I have just had to can it all for the time being. So you can keep an eye out for that at some point. Oh.
0: But I think that's such a great project to come come back to. I mean, what what are you going to actually, yeah. what are you going to call it?
1: Uh, vegans of South Africa.
0: I, so. <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, uh, it, this is a really exam- great example, by the way, and, and I'm sorry to just kind of jump in, but I'm, I'm excited about mm-hmm. this idea because um, you're, you're, first of all, you're, you're playing on a cultural movement, which is quite significant, not just in South Africa at the moment, but I mean, especially here in the okay. US as well, and I'm sure elsewhere. And so you're speaking to a, a cultural movement that is, that is relevant, that's current, that's popular. And, and then you're also yep. breaking a, or at least attempting to break a stereotype by mm-hmm. portray- or portraying, literally through images, um, what these personas look like uh, visually. And yep. I, I think it's a really yep. interesting idea. I'm, I'm really stoked to see how that turns out.
1: Yeah, I'm quite excited. And I also thought, you know, we, we were talking as well, and we'll talk more about this, about getting quite savvy hmm. of making sure your creative side projects are of benefit sure. to you. Sure. So part of this as well is I kind of thought, you know, it's a great way of networking with new people who will be exposed to my photography, who aren't necessarily dog or pet owners. Okay. And it just kind of extends the business network a little bit more as well. You know, that's not the primary um motive for it, but sure. it's quite a useful, it's a useful tool because I'm going to shoot portraits of these people. I'm obviously not charging them for the for the shoots. Um, I said to them I'll give them I'll give them a print and then they can have some low res digitals which will be watermarked and they're going to share them online. So it's going to be a great marketing tool for me as well. So that's just, I'm just going to throw that in there um, because I think that's one thing to, that we should be considering when we're doing our creative side projects.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's the first one. What's, uh, you said you're working in a second one as well?
1: Yeah. So I've got another one, which is slightly interrelated to the, the vegan one. So i am um, been shooting a series of rescued farm animals as well. So um, farm animals, little bits of a difference from dogs. So they don't <laughs> follow instructions. Yeah. <laughs> And with that one, again, it was a bit of an exploration of of the vegan movement, uh, a bit of an exploration of seeing animals that are mass produced and kind of treated en masse, you know, a pig's a pig's a pig. Right. Of bringing them back and shooting individual portraits and asking people to connect with the animals as an individual. Mm. And from that, I've been selling prints. So there was a bit of a game plan with that to, to create a series of images that weren't only kind of beautiful to look at, um, even if I say so myself. <laughs> and but also, also how I could leverage some income from that as well.
0: Right, which is a, a segue, I guess, to the next question, which is how this can potentially benefit your business. I mean, you highlighted earlier yeah. the significance of that very idea. I, and I think and I mentioned this to you before we started recording, I think it's the best of both worlds. When We can, you know, we, we dig into something because just personally we're drawn to it. And then suddenly we find ourselves being able to book revenue generating business as a result. Um, That's kind of interesting to me. So how have these projects directly affected the growth of your business?
1: Yeah. So the one I'm going to talk about in particular with this is, is a project called the black series, which was something I started with um, kind of this time last year. And I was, I'd been toying with a sort of studio style of shooting black dogs against a black backdrop in the studio. Oh wow! Um, And I'd been doing it with some of my paying clients, and they'd been very popular. And it's one of those things that it sounds when I, you know, you talk about it, like it's completely counterintuitive. But I was kind of able to able to light it so they looked very dramatic. Yeah. Um. And you know, from you know, I'm dog crazy, and I'm also kind of um, big on on um, helping promote shelter dogs as well. So I just sort of came up with the idea of shooting black rescue dogs against a black backdrop. And with black rescue dogs in particular, there's something called black dog syndrome, which is a bit of a worldwide problem of rehoming black dogs that end up at shelters. For various reasons, they are the most likely to be put to sleep and the least likely to be adopted. Really? So this Sort of yeah, um, this so this this project kind of came into being for, for from the aesthetic point of view of this looks really cool and then how can I use this project to kind of um, help the greater good, I suppose, if you like. So that's sort of how it how it started how it started out.
0: Okay, so that's how it started out. And, and by the way, to give everybody context, if you go to Emma's Instagram account, it's Emma O'Brien photo. So E-M-M-A-O-B-R-I-E-N and then photo. We'll link to it in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com. If you scroll down a little bit, you can see some examples. By the way, you, you mixed some farm animals into this project too, it looks like. <laughs>
1: So I've been mixed onto the Instagram feed. Sort of, I try and curate the feed um, with all sorts of creatures now. So.
0: Yeah, well, I, I love <laughs> that. lots on there. I love it. But um, just as an example, so back on March 26th, uh, there is a post, and we'll, we'll try to put this in the show notes as well, but uh, there's a, a photo of Oliver um, who's got these cute little ears kind of flopped up oh, yes. and um, just adorable <laughs> eyes staring into the camera against the black backdrop. I, I think these are beautiful. They're really impactful.
1: So again, um, it was kind of part of it for me. So one of the reasons that black dog, that we have this black dog syndrome is that there's a bit of a preconception with people that black dogs all look the same. And what I wanted to do with this project was show that actually, no, they really don't. Um, and I think by having such a, a striking setup, you are you're literally you're drawn to looking at looking into the eyes of the dog and you start to see actually how different their faces look kind mm. of comparatively uh-huh. this oliver was very cute with his little ears folded over the top of his head oh he's
0: adorable and <laughs> he's he's very very interested very curious look on his face too which i love yeah. so how did this ultimately then transfer or translate to benefit in your your business overall
1: okay so this was quite an interesting story so um i put the 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 Black Series, so I shot all the pictures and then I started to think, right, how do I make this project different? So I don't talk about how depressing it is about black dog syndrome and, you know, these dogs get put to sleep, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, what? we've heard it all before and I think we're all a bit fed up of the negative um, negative news, and yeah. um, so I thought, how do I put a really interesting spin on this? So again, I don't know where these we we never know where these ideas come from, but I've just learned to embrace them now. So,
0: but I have to jump in really quick and just say say props to you because I, you know th- this is just a certain level of awareness that I think is important. It's one thing to to speak to an issue, a relevant issue in culture, um, but it's another thing to just kind of feed into this mass movement of, as you say, the the negative news. That becomes overwhelming. And ironically, I think in some cases, we become a bit callous too. So we don't pay enough attention to it anymore. And it almost becomes like like the boy who cried wolf kind of situation where like, how how much do we actually pay attention now? Because everybody's dramatizing the situation. Anyway, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. But I just love the awareness. Yeah. That, that you developed personally, and you said, you know what, as much as this matters to me, and as much as this is an actual issue that mm-hmm. needs to be addressed, I'm not simply going to just be mm-hmm. part of the noise, I'm going to figure out a different mm-hmm. way to approach this that might be seen more readily.
1: Yep, absolutely. So the crazy idea came to me of captioning the dogs as if they were people. So um, they I kind of I, I took from my interactions with the dogs and their owners, A little bit of what made the dog, you know, um, an individual. So any personality traits or anything anything people talked about during the shoot that the dog does this or you know, he's and I kind of started to take that in and I I made up little stories about the animals. But I did it as if they were being loaded onto a Tinder profile. So it's all a bit tongue in cheek. (laughs) Um I had I had one dog, well, it was actually a cat in the, in because the, there were some cats in here as well, a cat that went on an MI5 mission, um, and it all, it kind of, it was all a bit ridiculous, really, um, and I started writing it, and I just kind of thought, you know, I was in two minds about it. I think there was a part of me, it was obviously the very British part of me, that was worried I might offend somebody with this, and also there was a part of me that thought, what if people think this is so utterly stupid? Here's this woman with this kind of arty photography series, and then she's put these childish captions with it. But I just thought, you know what, it felt very authentic, and I just ran with it. And I put the first 20 or so of these pictures up on with their captions up onto board panda. And the project went viral. So <laughs> I think for me, that, that's, um, that speaks volumes about the power of just going with your own authenticity.
0: Well, and so what, when it goes viral, like what did that mean for you? What, what happened next? Give us the, the juicy details. And then I want to know ultimately okay. then how this translated to, I mean, did, did it bring more work to your business as far yes. as the regular portrait work? Did it did that type of thing? To, give us all the good stuff. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. So I put it onto Board panda and it very quickly started to rack up. Views and I think I haven't checked it for a while, but I think to date it's had kind of over one hundred and twenty thousand views on Board Panda. And from Board Panda, it's started getting picked up by international um, news sites. So I think the pinnacle of my career um, was being featured. I got a phone call from the Daily Mail in the UK. Oh wow! Um, generally being featured in the Daily Mail is not a good thing, but they um, <laughs> but they wanted to feature it in their in their online female section. So it went up very much in the same spirit that I'd written it. So luckily, they didn't change it as they sometimes like to. So it went on the Daily Mail. It's been published in Russian. It's been published in Spanish, in French. It just went, people picked it up and and republished it all sort of worldwide. So um, I think the the obvious benefit from that is getting that worldwide exposure that's I'm sitting at the bottom of Africa. It would be quite difficult to get that, sure. um, you know, if you tried. I think so. So that was awesome, and I entered the some of the Black Sea series images into several international competitions. It's won um, it's won awards in three different competitions as well, which I think is something that's always great to be able to say you're award winning and have that that sort of. Um, I guess it's a kind of a. Um, a quality assurance, if you like, isn't it? Sure. From, yeah. You know, the your your peers. And when we talk about actually which is important, making money out of it, I I got a bit savvy. The previous project, MUTS that I did, which I think we talked about last time, I made a book from I didn't charge anybody for those shoots. Okay. Um, and it took a lot of time and I was a little bit disappointed with amount of support I got from the people whose dogs were in the book so I didn't want to make the same mistake twice with that so for the the black series from the get-go I charged people for those photo shoots I made it clear that it was going to be part of a series and I would probably make a book about it but I charged for those photo shoots so the whole series generated income from me for the for the get-go from the get-go and then also off the back of that, people who saw the pictures really like the style that I'd shot in. And so I've, I've been able to get shoot commissions from people who, who, you know, normal paying clients who want a Black Series style shoot of their kids or their dogs. So it's been a, it's been a very interesting way to sort of generate, to generate income from the, the attention that it's got.
0: Well, and, and again, I just have to give you props for, for thinking outside the box and just looking for creative ways to bring attention in this case to issues that were important to you, but yeah. emphasis on creative again, not in a way that's overtly political, as much as just being able to um very kindly almost you know, making a soft sell, if you will, on the idea yeah. or the message behind that movement using yeah. these beautiful images of animals. And and I think it's a really, really great example and a good reminder yeah. for our listeners that they can think outside that box that they live in normally. Like I, I get the fact that we all get comfortable and used to what we do on a day-to-day basis, but there's always opportunity to step outside that, and get creative. And then the cool thing is,
1: the yep. creativity
0: can ultimately potentially lead to additional business for us on a, on a grander scale. Um, yeah. and, and to that point, then, I'd, I'd love for yeah. you to maybe just kind of sum up this conversation by sharing a few specific principles that will enable our listeners to create their own personal projects that will help them grow their business as well.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to add on because I forgot to say to you, I'll sure. come on the back of the Black Series as well, I got a commercial job commission from a dog food company here, which was great. Wow. That's and great. also I did a TEDx I did a TEDx talk about it as well. So I managed no to get way. on the TEDx stage and talk about black dogs and the Black series. So I think with with that, you know some of it's about generating income, but also it's about generating opportunities. I think it. my TED Talk only went live last week. So I think it remains to be seen what sort of opportunities will come from from that, because I'm sure there will be some as well. Oh, so, no,
0: yeah, no question. Um, it's,
1: so this project really, you know, I've learned a lot from it. And I just think, you know, like, while, you know, while we're having this conversation, it's just the the importance of being courageous enough to just kind of go for it with a personal project. So with that in mind, I will share kind of three, three suggestions and tactics I've got for, for people who might be listening, who are thinking about a personal project and they're thinking that's great, but do I, you know, there has to be some benefit for me if I'm going to allocate quite a lot of time to it, which, you know, there really does. Um, most of us, apart from at the moment, don't have the time to, to kind of give away days every week to be doing something that we're not going to get any benefit from. Sure, so, sure. Um the first thing the first thing I've noted down is that for a a side project to to kind of be successful is it needs to be authentic. And I think the the the, the secret to the success of the black series was the fact that I just kind of I was totally authentic with it. And um, I think with the captions I ran with something that I was passionate about and I shared it and I the, I I wrote the captions very much from from the heart. Um, And they were very authentic. And I think that's what resonated for people. So I think sometimes just allowing yourself through your work to be vulnerable um, because people people connect with with people can pick up when something's authentic and real. Um, And I think it then invites other people to feel that it's safe for them to be vulnerable as well. And it was a, it was that it, it really helps people to connect to the work.
0: So this is an interesting concept, authenticity. And yet, I mean, in this day and age, I'm not sure if this is the case in South Africa, but uh, here in the US, we, we see this word authentic or authenticity thrown around quite a bit. It's become mm-hmm. kind of cliche um, and yet it obviously yep. has significance. So I'm curious if you would define what this notion of authenticity means, especially when it comes to a project like this.
1: I think for me, it is just making works that has meaning to you without worrying about what anybody else might think about it afterwards, and not making it with anybody else in mind. Because I think Mm. the problem, you're right, with authenticity is people think that they have to behave in a certain way to be authentic, and that is the total. Then you kind of then it becomes a cliche because you're not being you, Um, and I think it is just. Allowing yourself the space and just being brave enough to to be totally you and to be open enough to share share work without wanting to please anybody else.
0: Yeah, so we're taking away the filter essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because I, I I let the you know I let the dogs out with the black series <laughs> without any. <laughs> we had to get that in there somewhere. Absolutely. Um, without any expectation. I had no expectations for it. I didn't expect this to go viral. I didn't try and make it go viral. I just shared it because I felt like it was important. Mm. And I felt like I'd, I'd kind, of, kind of cracked it with the, the combination of the images and captions. And it just felt fun. And it felt like a good way to connect people to this issue of black dog syndrome. And I just ran with it. So.
0: Wow. Well, I, I we'll make sure to link to that series in the show notes. Uh, in addition, by the way, to like the, the farm series, for example, I saw um, on your your blog as well. So we'll link to that in, in the show notes. We'll mm. make sure that our listeners get a good chance to to see some of this work that um, that you're talking about. But uh, you said the first principle was to start off with authenticity, and and I appreciate you elaborating on that because we do hear this word thrown around a lot. And I don't want I want to make sure that callous ears don't kind of fall deaf to the, to the idea, especially when it comes to this. I mean, here's an opportunity for photographers who already, uh, I would assume in most cases, naturally in some way creative, and they get to combine that creativity with something that they're, um, to borrow another cliche term or or word passionate about, right? Something that they're excited about that moves them Mm -hmm. emotionally. And they get to highlight that Mm -hmm. and and potentially even benefit a cause in some way. And so there's an opportunity to, to actually demonstrate, to live that, that notion of authenticity uh, in a very genuine way, so that's yep. good. So we start with ath- authenticity. What's the next principle?
1: So the next principle I think is to make make a like a body of work that sits as a coherent series. So I think the more, um, I, I guess, the definition of a series would be probably ten to twenty images, maybe more. I mean, the Black Series it is is kind of expanded from that. But I think it's to make um, a body of work that's got an ongoing thread and that the images are interrelated. Because if we want to start doing something like selling prints, if you've got a series, you might find people buy several prints because they want to put three or four of them up on a wall at home, for instance. Okay. Um, and I think it's, making, it's, it's just having that coherence to it and to start thinking about the marketability of the of the work you're making as well. Because that is, you know, that is important. Um, we, we all deserve to be to be compensated for our creative work in, in some shape or form. I've also made a note here to say that it's good to make it repeatable. So I think the thing for me, like with the Black Series, is that I've got the, the original Black rescue dogs in there. But clients can also come to me and say, I've seen that work. I really like it. I'd like you to do the same thing with my dog. So you've got like a, a marketable technique, if you like, that, that other people can buy from you that aren't necessarily part of the series.
0: And what does that look like when it comes to selling? I mean, you say, you say, you know, selling multiple prints, for example, from from this particular series. Can you give us an idea of what that looks like in studio or when you meet with the clients, how you go about selling something like that?
1: In ter- so do you mean if people kind of, if, if people book a black series style shoot? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I tend to, with the, the packages I've got for, for my um, studio sessions, I sell wall art in sets of three. So in, in kind of sizes that get bigger and bigger. So if someone's coming to me and they want, they want pictures, um, you know, I know I've got to get three really striking images or they might have three different dogs that come in. So they're going to buy three, three different pictures. So I think it it's comes back to what we talked about at the beginning where we have an understanding of what our clients want from the shoot. So we can shoot with that in mind and make sure we get that end result for them.
0: Well, and if you're, if, I mean, if you're starting with a triptych, if you're selling in groups of three, that naturally gives you the opportunity, as you were alluding to earlier, to to be able to bump up the revenue that you can generate from such a session. Correct? Yeah,
1: exactly. Huh. Exactly. That's that's really great.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we're starting with authenticity, just as a as a principle driving the project, creating coherent series. That are also repeatable, which, by the way, also makes mm-hmm. it just more efficient for us to be able to shoot these these types of images, right? That we can we can get it done quickly, yep. um, and that potentially, especially yep. when it comes to the business side of things, is can can generate a higher profit margin for us, which is great. What's the third principle?
1: The third thing is to self promote. Um, I think often we feel a bit uncomfortable about talking about our work or or promoting it, and I think you've actually just got to go for it. I shared it on board Panda. And once it got a bit of traction, you know, I shared it on my Facebook pages, I reached out like, you know, I've reached out to I've been on a few podcasts, I've reached out to online photography blogs with the series, because if you want, if you want to get your work out there, you actually have to be its biggest champion you know, and there's ways of means of doing it that you don't come across as some sort of arrogant horror. Um, <laughs> but like the, the TED because <laughs> nobody wants to be that person, but like the, the TEDx talk, for instance, I, you know, I, I set my goals at the beginning of 2019 that I wanted to do a TEDx talk. And that was before I'd done the black series. So I had no idea what I'd do a TEDx talk about. And I pitched it and I pitched it to all of the local TEDx organizers. And one of them, one of them went for it. Um, so I think it's just the more people that know about the work you're making, the more people that, um, that share it, you know, the greater your, the, your reputation and obviously the greater your, your business build and the greater your reach. And that's ultimately what we're all after as creatives is to have a, a, this kind of fulfilling creatively and financially careers. But we have to be our own our own biggest champions with that.
0: Well, and I think if we take that approach, which we've, we've mentioned here on the podcast before, we kind of a combination of Gary Vaynerchuk and, and Donald Miller. So Gary Vaynerchuk wrote a book called Jab 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 Right Hook, where the majority of the focus, the majority mm-hmm. of your time, is spent adding value in some way to the potential client, and then that hook yes. is the okay. Let me take you know whatever it is, ten twenty percent of, of the time and actually put an ask out there, a call to action. Hey, will you buy this? Will you book the session? Here's some prints. Will you go support this, this movement, whatever the ask is you, you bump that in there, but you've given Mm -hmm. so much value in the meantime that those people are, are just, they're excited about your brand. So they naturally want to be involved. And and Donald Miller talks about this and the significance of making the client, the hero of their own story. And ultimately innate to that is this notion again of adding value. How do we make or add value yeah. to that person's life in some form or fashion. I mean, you're in this really great place Emma in that you you've got pictures of, you know, cute pictures of animals, of pets. I mean, what person they don't probably don't have a heart if they're not in some way drawn to a cute picture of a pet or an animal of some yeah. kind. And and so you've got you have the wonderful ability yeah. to be able to play to people's emotions, not obviously in a in a, in a negative way, uh, but people are just naturally drawn to cute pictures like this. Yeah. And you you give and you give and you give and you just highlight the the cuteness factor, and then and then you can kind of you can throw that hook and you can make the ask whether it's for your business or it's for the sake of some movement or charity that yeah. you're supporting, and um, I think there can be a really lovely balance there. But it, it's important that we do actually. I mean, it's and I have to remind myself of this too, especially here even on the podcast. And we have this platform with you know so many photographers listening and so many downloads, and I very rarely talk about photographers at it because I hear podcasts. That I mean you 're just kind of inundated with commercials, and it kills the experience mm-hmm. of listening to the podcast so occasionally I mention photographers at it, but whether it's myself yeah. or, or photographers listening in, or, you know especially as professional photographers, we're a bit more artist types, less salespeople and and so occasionally we have to make the effort yeah. to actually put the word out there and, and make an ask. And uh, I think that's a yeah. good reminder for all of us. So yeah. I, I really appreciate you lending your perspective again, yeah. coming back on the show, sharing your beautiful work. We're going to link to all of it in the show notes at com. Just thanks again for, for the advice, for the reminders. This has been really, really nice.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's been wonderful to be able to to catch up with you again and to, and to, share, um, to share some of my kind of pearls of wisdom, if you like. And I, I hope it inspires some other people to go out and get creating.
0: Hundred percent. So, everybody listening in, make sure you go to EmmaO'Brien on Instagram at Emma O'Brien photo. We'll link to both of those in the show notes. Have an absolutely wonderful day! Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at Boca podcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free. So make sure to check out our sponsors photographersedit.com and Milu M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer. And Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.